Glory to God. We're over in Matthew chapter 14 here this morning. As it's the Christmas season, there's a story of a little boy and a little girl who were sitting in the back of the church and they were singing the hymns and the hymns they were singing was Silent Night and they were singing through the Silent Night. And as they came to the, to the part in the hymn that said, they would sleep in heavenly peace, the little boy sang with everything that he had. It said, sleep in heavenly beans. His little sister next to him corrected him and said, No, it's not beans, it's peas. (laughs) How many times have we listened to a song and heard the words wrong and even sang the song with the wrong words, whether it's a song on the radio or a song in church? And we we did not know that. But we firmly believed that the song we were singing had the words we were singing it with. I saw a comedian had a whole stand-up routine he did on song lyrics that we get wrong. It was kind of funny. But even though we are wrong in our belief on how that song goes, we're very adamant about singing it that way, or that that's how it should be, or that that's what the words are. Last week we looked at the Syrophoenician woman. We saw that she came to a place where she decided from what she had seen, from what she had heard, that Jesus desired to minister healing. So that was a desire of his. Every place she heard about him, where he went, he was healing all the people that were sick. And so she formed this belief. And we saw that once the truth is brought to light, that there's certain things we have to do about that truth. The first off, we need to accept and act on it. Secondly, We need to ponder and prove it. If it's not something that we can accept and act on, it's something we need to ponder and prove. Third, something we reject and refuse. If you hear what is supposed to be a truth and you reject it, that's not truth. That's not God's truth. You reject it and you refuse it from coming in. But she heard that Jesus liked to heal. She she decided that he desired to minister the healing power of God. So she came to him, approached him like that. But Jesus was not giving her any indication that that belief was true. wasn't even given at the time of day. But she wasn't deterred from it. And she kept on going. And after she got called a dog, she just accepted that and ran with that as truth. And Jesus said, her faith was great. And she had great faith. Great faith, we said last week, is moved completely by spirit perception or revelation and zero by natural perception Or what happens around us. That's what great faith is. Regular faith is affected by both. Weak faith may start out in the first, but moves to the second before the faith finishes its work. It's weak. It didn't have enough enduring power. We're going to take a look at a story that we've seen before. This is a story where Jesus walks out to the disciples on the water. And Peter sees them. And gets excited. And says, let me come out there too. And we put this question, if you're up there on Facebook, I put this question for you. Did Peter step out of the boat with great faith that changed? Or did he do something great with little faith? Because it's one thing or another. Either he started off with great faith and that's what got him out of the boat and it changed to little faith because that's what Jesus called him when he went, reached down and got him. Or he stepped out with little faith and he did much with little faith. 
In fact, folks, you can actually say that what Peter did is something that no one in the Bible in the Old Testament had ever done. It's not recorded in the Word that anyone ever walked on the water. We heard that they walked through the water when they got out of Egypt. But no one ever walked on the water until Jesus did it. And when Peter saw him doing it, he decided to walk out with him. So that was our question we put up there. Didn't get a whole lot of uh, responses on that. But hopefully you're pondering it. Let's go over to the, to the text. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now this is the course of events here was that John the Baptist was beheaded. He took his disciples up to a secluded place. The multitude saw him, followed him, and so Jesus had compassion on them, and so he taught them, and he healed their sick, and then he told his disciples, feed them. And they said, how are we going to feed them? And so they did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and then Jesus sent his disciples away, and he sent all the multitude away, and he was up there alone. So immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So here's what we got. Jesus is on this, the side. The multitude is still there. But he's getting them to, to go away. And he tells his disciples, look, we're going to the other side. I'll join you, but I need you to start going now. Now, if you're disciples, you, got to, you probably gave a little bit of an argument. Well, why, why don't we just wait for you? We're fine to wait for you. We'll just wait for you until you get... No, no, no. I need, to, I need to spend some time in prayer. Whatever it is he told them, he sends them on, his, on their way. And so they get in the boat and they go off to the other side. So he sends them away. And when he had sent the multitudes away... See, he sent the disciples away first. Then he sent the multitudes away. If you were Jesus, how many of you were having the disciples send the multitudes away and then you send the disciples away? That sounds like a lot easier. But that's not how he did it. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now if you're the disciples, and Adam bothered to spend the time to figure out which story came first, but Jesus said one time, you know, let's go to the other side, and the storm comes. And this time he puts his disciples in the boat and says, go to the other side, I'll join you in a little while. And a storm comes. Wind and waves may not have been quite the level of the storm that uh, was sinking the boat. It seems like they were able to handle this one. But it was a storm nonetheless. There was wind. There was waves. If you're Jesus, or if you're the disciples, don't you kind of question Jesus after this? Why did you send us out when the storm was coming, when winds were coming, when waves was going to be, be coming, and we were battling these things? They were in the middle of the sea. They were, the wind was contrary. It seems like it slowed them down. They could have gotten there already, except that it slowed them down. Don't know exactly uh, what was in Jesus' mind or what kind of questions that they asked afterwards. But Jesus stayed back to pray alone. Now, did he intend to join them? Did he intend to join them on the other side? And there's all kinds of possibilities here. What was Jesus thinking? Does Jesus ask Ask God the Father, all right, if you want me to stay behind, uh, how am I going to get to the other side? Was the plan that the disciples would get to the other side and Jesus would just be transported like Elijah was, like Elisha was, um, just moved to the other side? 
just uh, picked up and, and gone. Philip was transported. So was, was that something that was intended? But then this storm came up, wind came up, waves came up, and it slowed them down. So maybe the plan changed. I don't know what the plan was. Was the plan all along that Jesus would walk across the water to get there? But he saw them out there. So the storm comes up. They're battling the storm. And then they see something. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. So the disciples saw Jesus. They saw Jesus walking on the water. I would venture to say this is the first time that they had ever seen someone walking on the water. It's not recorded any other time that it was ever done. If you were out in the boat and you saw someone walking on the water, how many of you might think, or maybe somebody in your group, you can kind of see them saying this, that's a ghost. Because what else sits on top of the water? Now, here's the interesting thing. Had they ever seen a ghost? (laughs) Had the disciples ever seen a ghost in their lifetime? I have no idea. Now, sometimes we'll say, well, ghosts don't exist. Ghosts, as people believe them, don't exist. If you died right now and your spirit went on, your spirit either went to hell, hopefully not your spirit, other people, (laughs) <laughs> they went. To, they had gone to hell. If they went to hell, if your spirit went to hell, do you have a choice of leaving? No, you're there. And if you went to heaven, if you had a choice, would you want to? No, we have no indication from the Word of God that anyone who has gone on can come back. The one time we saw that was when Saul caught up Samuel. And it seemed as if Samuel came... And uh, made the, well, Samuel was not in, in hell. He would have been in Abraham's bosom. And if God decided at that point to bring him back to do something, I don't know. I, uh, that's the only time we've ever seen it. But people are not coming back. Yeah, well, you don't know. I saw this or I heard this go on. You know, we've seen people that are, they have the seances and they have things that come on in. And they have people who contact the dead. Maybe, uh, hopefully not now. But maybe sometime in the past, you've been to one of those places and you asked somebody to contact the dead. And they came back and they had, well, <clears throat> I hear that this happened. And they know things that happened between you and them that only they would know. Well, of course, the Word of God talks about familiar spirits. That there are demon spirits that, that are just as familiar with your life as you are. And those spirits can be called upon. But what you're tapping into is not the wisdom of that person or the knowledge of that person. You're tapping into the kingdom of darkness. Don't be doing it. And the kingdom of darkness will always try and bring out a little bit of light to try and pull you in. You know, if you ever get on those, um, you ever had a radio station on that bring in the horoscopes and the, and the different things that come on. Well, I don't know what my sign is. I am not curious to find out what my sign is. I don't want to know what my sign is. But even though I don't know what my sign is, when they start reading those things off, 
I, as, as much as I can, I block out everything that I am hearing while I reach for the knob and turn the station. I don't even want to hear it. If they called out my sign and told me what was going to happen, I wouldn't know it because I don't know what my sign is. I don't want to know it because I don't want any of that stuff being sold into me. Don't pick up the newspaper and read a horoscope. Don't walk into any of those places to get your palm read. You are tapping into the kingdom of darkness. You don't want to do it. They will give you something that sounds like light, that seems like truth. But don't buy into it. So here the disciples see Jesus walking on the water. And they become afraid. Is the fear real? Sounds like it's real to me. They became afraid. Think of it this way. If you live by a body of water or a pool, if your neighbor has a pool, if you have a pool, if you live near a pond or a lake, and you're looking out your bedroom window at nighttime... And you see someone standing on that pool. Or you see someone standing on that body of water. What would happen to you on the inside? How many of you could see yourself becoming a little bit frightful? Be a little, little stirred by that. That's for the disciple. We've never seen this before. Because we've never seen it before, we're going to come up with an explanation. I believe it's a ghost. They probably had never seen a ghost. They probably never heard a ghost walk on water. But here it was this time. It was going on. So they believed that it was a ghost. They said it is a ghost. But that didn't make it true, did it? It wasn't a ghost. But they believed that it was. They said that it was. And they had fear that came on them because they thought it was a ghost. You see, just because something produces fear in your life doesn't mean that it has to be true. There can be falseness in things that come to us and we buy into them as being true and it produces fear. Just because a doctor came to you and told you what he felt about your condition, that doesn't make it true. Just because someone else comes and tells you, well, I know somebody who had that and they died, that doesn't make it true. Just because you hear or see things and you interpret what that might mean for you does not make it true. But as long as you accept it as being true, it will produce fear in your life. And it will hinder you from what you can do. So the enemy, all he has to do, he does not have to come up create a truth He just has to come up with something that you will believe is truth. And if you believe it is truth and he can get you into fear, he's got you out of faith. And he's got you on his grounds where he can fight. It's not a good place to be. Put it to you this way. If you're going to take on a shark, how many of you ever ever thought about taking on a shark? Anybody here want to take on a shark? All right, nobody wants to take on a shark. If you were going to take on a shark, and you had no choice but to take on a shark, would you rather take on that shark in the water or on the land? Now, why would you take the shark on the land? 
because you're not in his arena. A shark in the water is a much more formidable enemy than a shark on the land. He's not made to walk on the land. He's made to move in the water. Your enemy is not made to operate in faith. In the realm of faith, he's made to operate in the realm of fear. If he can get you into his realm, he can win. You don't have to get him into your realm. You just got to stay in your realm. That's all you got to do. Some of you have adopted that philosophy and have never gone in the ocean because there are sharks in there. And if I never go in the ocean, I will never see one. Anybody think that? I know a few of you. Again. Absolutely. If I don't go in the ocean, the shark cannot get me. <laughs> if you don't get in the area of fear, the enemy cannot get you. But he knows he has to get you into fear in order to be able to get you. So he's going to do things to be able to do that. Now, Jesus is walking on the water. Does Jesus walk on the water to produce fear in the disciples? When I read over the story, I get the idea that he's going out there to help them. Because the wind, it says in the Word of God, was boisterous. They were, it was contrary to them. They were having a hard time with the wind. I get the idea that he was coming out to help them. It's possible. Maybe he's just going to pass on by. But he was still coming out there to them. Don't let the devil turn what is in your life into fear. That's why people have taught Brother Hagin and others to laugh at the devil. Just laugh at him. He's trying to get you into fear. Don't let him do it. It's up to you whether you do it or not. So they said, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Well, he doesn't identify who I is, does he? Well, most times, you know, if if you um, call somebody up on the phone that you know, and they answer the phone, you say what? Hi, it's Stephen Hecht. <clears throat> no, but somebody that you know, you know, if I call my wife, I don't say, hi, it's Stephen Hecht. <laughs> what do I say? Hey, it's me. You know what she says when she calls me? Hey, it's me. You know, we don't. Of course, now you can also tell from your phone. Oh, it's my wife. <laughs> but before that, you just, you just listen on the, on the phone and you can tell from the, the voice who it is. Isn't that remarkable that with how many billions of people on the earth, each of our voices is unique? I think that's uh, utterly remarkable. How that. What a creative God. And to think that some people want to th think all this happens by accident. How, how is that possible? But they do. We've, uh, we've had that sometimes. We, we're watching a movie. And, uh, you know, of course, Hallmark. Christmas movies. And you, you see somebody who comes on one of those things and you say, mm, I know that voice. Have you ever had that? I know that voice. And my wife was, yeah, I know that voice too. I can't think of where it is. Who did we see that from? And so I pull out my phone and I Google it. Hallmark movie put in the title, Cast. And I look up the cast. All right, here's that face. Who is that? And you know, keep going. 
What were they in? Oh, they were in. You say what it was. You find out who, who they were. What they, but you, but you, you could tell. I mean, their, their face had changed, but their voice, you could tell. There's something familiar about that voice. Of all the actors that are out there, of all the people that you've come in contact with, you could pick out that voice. And so Jesus, with his voice, he says, it's me. It's just me, guys. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. It's, it's just me. All right, now we get to the crux of the story. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So, Jesus, so he said to him, Jesus said to him, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, look at this. Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on the water based on what verse? What's the verse that he's using? There's no verse, is there? There is no verse he can stand on. How about his confession? What kind of confession did Peter have? Well, he didn't really have any confession. He just said, If it is you, Lord, bid me to come. That's it. That's not a confession. It's more of a question. So really, he had no confession. And he had no verse. Do you think he woke up some morning, some late at night sometime, and just began to meditate. Father God, I would like to walk on the water. I don't think it was even in his dreams. I don't think until this moment he even conceived of the idea that someone could walk on the water. I heard a minister one time tell the story. I don't remember what minister was. I have it now. We're down to about three or four who may have told the story. But they... Uh, this is back in the, they had the full gospel meetings and apparently when they were back there they had a lot of what they would call um, uh, Brother Hagin used to call them preliminaries but they had a, a whole lot of things that would go on they would have the, some worship they would have an offering and the offering could take a long time and so if the meeting started at 7 o'clock the guest speaker could get there at 8, 8.30 and be fine didn't have to be there right at 7 and so this particular guest speaker was still over at the hotel at 7 o'clock. Meeting starts at 7. He's praying. He's meditating on the scriptures and the things that God was going to have him teach that night. And he said he was all charged up. Just, he's ready to go. And so he gets his Bible. He gets his notes. And he marches on off to the conference center where the meeting is being held. And as he's going on by, this particular hotel had a pool. He got the idea because he's all charged up on the things of the Spirit. And he got the idea, I'm going to walk right across that pool. And he walked right across that pool, right into the water. It may have been, Rick may have been the one who was telling the story, but I don't know if it was Rick himself. He had a call back. 
say, I'll be a little late. <laughs> he had a change. <laughs> mm. So he didn't walk on water either. But Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So now we got two people walking on the water. Jesus and Peter. Jesus is over here, walking towards the direction of the boat. Peter is coming from the boat, going towards Jesus. Walking on the water. How much faith would it take for you to get out of a nice, safe boat and to step on water that has enough wind and waves going on that is keeping them from getting to their destination? How much would it take? Some of you are thinking, well, what kind of waves are we talking about here? We're not talking about little one or two foot waves, folks. Those things, they don't, they don't stop fishermen from getting to the other side. We're talking about some substantial waves. And waves carry some power. How many of y'all know waves carry some power? Anybody ever ride waves? Go down to the Jersey Shore? I tell you to go someplace else, but I don't know where else has waves. Because we have been to other places, and none of them have waves. We've been to Cancun. No waves. We've been to several Florida beaches. No waves. Nothing. Nothing. How do you entertain yourself in the water? No waves. We've been to some of the Carolina areas. No waves. Why are waves so hard to get hold of? No waves at all. I remember one day we were, we were down to shore. Kids were, were younger. And uh, we got into the, into the water. And I told Christian afterwards, I said, this was about the best beach day. We had waves because we just had a storm. We had waves. And this is the day that I was teaching him how to body surf. So we taught him how to body surf and taught him how to, how to do all that. And we had some good waves. And I remember, I don't know if it was on that particular trip or when but we had this, they were body surfing and they were, I'd say, four foot waves. They were good sized waves. Not, not surfing waves, but they were good sized waves. And I remember we were riding one. I mean, they, there's some power in these things. And it's just a four foot, go or do you look at those ones in Hawaii, 10, 15, 20 foot waves. We were riding this four foot wave. Just body surfing. And I remember riding this one. And it, you're riding up over here. And it just, if you've ever ridden these things, you know there's a certain drop off. And all of a sudden you just, you just drop. And I just dropped. And it actually just took me and kind of, uh, the wrong way. I kind of bent the wrong way. And I felt my back just kind of snap a little bit. I said, oh. <laughs> that was just a four foot wave. That didn't, didn't sever anything, nothing like that. I just, uh, man, I felt it for a little while after that I felt it. I've been tossed around by waves. You know, if you don't ride them just right and you get, the, you get that thing hit you wrong, you start tumbling around underneath there. And um, those guys who do this for the 10, 20-foot waves, the big waves, I mean, that's, you're talking about life-threatening situations. Because there's coral underneath on some of these places and they get thrown down in the coral and you see the surfboards come up and chipped. 
There's some powerful action going on in those waves. So don't just be thinking, you know, little tiny one, two foot waves coming up on the, on the boat. That's not keeping these guys from getting to the other side. We're talking some waves. We're talking ways to take this thing up in the air and back down again. And up in the air and back down again. How much faith is it going to take for you to get out of your nice, comfortable boat and step onto the water? You can use your outside hands on this one. How many of you think to make that step, it would take more faith than you currently have? (laughs) To get out of the boat and to step on the water, not based on any scripture, not based on any confession, not based on what anybody else has ever done before, based on one word. Come. That's it. Peter's got some faith, doesn't he? You must have some faith in order to do this. Because normally we don't do it. We do not like the idea of getting out in the boat. How many have ever been on a boat? Anybody ever been out on the boat in the middle of the sea? A couple people. How much faith would it take for you to get out of that boat and step into the water? No waves at all. No wind, bright, sunny day. How many of you are going to make that step out of the boat into the water? So we wouldn't make the step out of the boat into the water on a nice day. And Peter does it on a stormy day with wind and waves. So he's got to have some faith, right? Got to have some faith. We just don't do this sort of stuff. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now, he's walking on the water, right? He is walking on the water. What is required for people to walk on the water? How about how many believe that the forgiving power of God is needed to get you to walk in the water? How about the healing power of God? How about the power of God for prosperity? No, we need walking on water power of God, right? Apparently, there is walking on water power of God because it was an operation right here. And Jesus tapped into it and walked right on the water. And Peter tapped into it when he jumped out of the boat. Now this is one of those things I want to go back when we're in heaven. I've got a list of them. I keep telling you every once in a while what some of them are. This is one of the ones I want to go back to because I want to see this. I don't want to just read it. I want to see it. I want to see when Peter is walking on the water and the wave comes. Does the wave level out? Does Peter go up in the air? And then back down again. How many of you think it would be really cool to be on the water going up in the air and back down again? Up in the air, back down again. I don't know. How did did it happen? 
I'm kind of left to believe, I guess, that, that the waves didn't just level out, that he's going up in the air and back down again. But all the while, he stays on the water. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to picture this. Do his shoes get wet? Does his clothes get wet from, you know, the splashing around? That's not fun. Wet clothes. I mean, what, what goes on with this? So you've you got to put yourself in Peter's position. Peter is in faith, jumps out of the boat onto the waves. And now, the waves, the wind, they can have an effect. What is specifically mentioned is the wind. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, was the wind boisterous when he was in the boat? Did the wind change? Why is it that the wind now affects him when the wind was going on when he was in the boat and he got out of the boat? The wind is going on when he starts walking on the water. But now he starts to look at the wind. Check out the wind. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. But the wind was blowing before that. Wasn't he? The wind was blowing when, when Jesus wasn't even there. And when Jesus came up walking on the water, the wind is still blowing. Word of God told us that. So the wind was contrary to them. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Now, I, I was going to tap into all the Greek involved in this and, and um, help you out with this, but then I thought, you know what? We don't need to. Just look at how this thing is worded. He saw that the wind was boisterous he was afraid and began to sink. Why didn't he sink when he first got out? Because he wasn't afraid. So you could actually interpret this as when he saw the wind, he became afraid. When he focused on the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. That until he became afraid, he didn't sink. Even though the same wind and the same waves and the same water. He didn't sink. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous. Now one word from Jesus caused Peter to act against I don't know how old Peter is but it had him act against at least a decade or two of experience. Peter's a fisherman. He grew up probably in a fisherman's household. And so he was out on the water a lot. He has got at least one, probably two decades, maybe even more than that, of experience on the water to know that when people stand on the water, they go down. They sink. More than most people, he has experience to know that people do not walk on water. People sink. They can float. 
They can tread water. They can swim. But they do not walk on the water. He has got decades of experience on this. And Jesus, with one word, says, Come. And he is ready to throw out decades of experience that tells him this doesn't happen. This never has happened. It's not going to work, Peter. So I gave you this list in your outline. First, he was focused on what Jesus said. Not the conditions around him. That's when he jumped out. First thing he did was he focused on what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Come. That's it. He doesn't even elaborate on it. He doesn't even say, Come on, Peter, walk on the water with me. How many would like that better? Come on, Peter, walk on the water with me. He doesn't say that. He says, Come. He doesn't even say, Come here, Peter. He doesn't even say, Come, Peter. He just says, Come. On the basis of that, John could have worked on it. And we would be reading, A disciple whom Jesus loved didn't sink. <laughs> so really, this statement could have been used for anyone on board. Because Peter said, Beckon me to come, and Jesus just said, Come. So the rest of the disciples, it was there for them. They, it could have worked. If Jesus would have said, come Peter, that would have limited it. It would have just been one person. Peter. But he didn't say that. He said, he said, come. When we get to heaven, we're going to find out, John, what happened? I mean, you're always competing with him. Why didn't you jump out too? Maybe he's waiting to see. Let's, let's see what happens to Peter first. <laughs> if things work out okay, I'll jump out there. And he saw him starting to sink. And he said, this isn't working so well. I'm going to stay right here. <clears throat> so first he focused on what Jesus said, not the conditions around him. Caused him to jump out. Second, he felt or focused on the wind. Now when he does this, he's still walking. So we're walking on the water and then we feel the wind. I'm sure he felt the wind before. That wind was blowing. He felt it in the boat. He felt it when he jumped out. But now it says he felt the wind. Now see, don't just read these stories in the Bible. Put yourself into them. How many of you have made the jump out of the boat in the area of healing and then suddenly you felt I felt a headache. I felt pain. I felt discomfort. I felt like something was wrong. You were believing God for a condition to be healed. Hands got laid on you. You believed God. You Whatever it was. Power of God came down. And you were walking on water. You're moving your way to healing. And then I felt something. Something you haven't felt before. 
But now you see your focus is on it. How do you know your focus is on it? When fear begins to come up on the inside of you. Oh, I thought I was healed of this. I thought this was gone. So just because you're walking on the water doesn't mean you won't feel the wind. And it was fine for him to feel the wind. It wasn't good that he embraced the fear. It said, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. That has got to be an incredible feeling. I want you to put yourself, picture yourself. How many have ever, ever, how many have never been in a pool? Anybody here never been in a pool? All right, we got one, one person there. Never yet to imagine this then. But if you have been in a pool, more than likely, if you have not dove into the water, you have jumped into the water. Can you imagine jumping into the water, hitting the water, and sinking slowly down into the water? It doesn't happen, does it? When you hit the water, what do you do? That's not what's going on with Peter. You would think that would tell Peter, this is not normal. First he's on the water, and then he starts to sink in the water. If you are on the water, and then you are suddenly not having anything holding you there, you are not sinking in the water. You're in the water. Because with people, you were either on the water, or you were in the water. There's not too much of that in between. But he's kind of sinking down into the water. Can you imagine being on the water and slowly sinking down into the water? That would be... That would be something. But he just became more fearful. So he felt or focused on the wind. He was still walking, but then he became afraid. And now he's sinking. And he cries out. Try this at home. Go to your YMCA, go to your pool out in the back, and I want you to get on top of the water and let go of everything or jump into the water. And as soon as you hit the water, I want you to formulate the words, Help! I'm sinking. And see how much of those words you get out. So Peter has to realize that he is sinking, and then he calls out for help. Lord, save me. I put this in your outline for you. It's not feeling the circumstances that take you down. It's letting them bring you into fear. Jesus had already said, don't fear. Didn't he say that when they first came on the scene? And they, it's a ghost. Then he said, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Actual Greek and that would say, stop fearing. Stop what you're doing. They were already afraid. He's basically telling them to stop it. I put this in your outline for you too. It's not what happens around you, but what happens in you. 
Around you can be all kinds of things. Doctors can be going crazy. Life can be throwing all kinds of things at you. Job, people, it don't matter what's going on around you. It matters what's going on in you. And you keep that Word of God going on the inside of you. You keep smiling. Keep being glad. Fear can't come in. The enemy comes in and says, I want you to be afraid of your, for your job. And you say, <laughs> don't need to be. You need to be afraid for your health. Just laugh. I don't need to be. Whatever it is he's trying to get you to be fearful of, just laugh. I don't need to be. Because he's got to pull you into the arena of fear in order to defeat you. And if you stay, keep yourself out of fear, you don't have to do anything to the devil. Just keep yourself out of fear. This will go on. You can be walking on the water. When everyone else says you can't do it. I am. Seems to contradict your belief. See, we, if Peter had gotten out in the water and walked in the water, he could have people around him saying, you can't do that, Peter. He could look down and say, but I am. People don't walk on water, Peter. But I am. There'll be all kinds of people around you who tell you that you can't do the things you're doing, that God won't do the things that He promised, whatever it might be. They're going to try and get you into a place of being fearful. Don't be fearful. Stay out of it. And immediately Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Him and said to Him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So Jesus classifies his faith as little. So here's a question. Did Peter start out with something greater than little faith and it change? Or did he do something great with little faith? Kind of a pondering question, isn't it? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I pulled out the Williams translation on this, verse 30. But when he felt the wind, he was frightened. And as he began to go down, he cried out, Lord, save me. As he began to go down. I like that part. Jesus at once put out his hand and caught hold of him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you waver so? That would seem to indicate that Peter got pretty close to Jesus. That's some good walking that he did. It wasn't that he took a step or two. He was walking. Oh, you of little faith, why did you waver so? Well, as we ponder that question, did Peter... start off with something better than little faith and have it change? Or did Peter do something great with little faith? My tendency is to think the latter. I think Peter did something great with little faith. 
I don't think his faith changed. I don't think the wind changed his faith. I think his faith was the same. You see, because great faith is not changed by the circumstances, by the things that it hears. Regular faith is changed, or is, is regular faith is based on some natural and some spiritual. But great faith is only based on what comes in the spirit. Regular faith can grab hold of something and let it go. But great faith will not let it go, no matter what goes on around you. I don't think Peter had great faith. I think Peter did something great with little faith. And here's the thing, folks. Peter would have kept walking on the water with little faith if only he wouldn't have wavered. He would have been still walking on the water. The problem was not little faith. Jesus says to him, Oh, you of little faith. Is this, is this some news that Jesus just came to? Did, you, did Jesus just find this out about Peter? Oh, now I know where you are. No, he knew where Peter was. Here's the a, here's a real fun thing about this. If people can't walk on water with little faith, Jesus told him to come. Which means this, folks. No matter how much faith you consider yourself to have, if you will take what Jesus said and believe it, you can do great things with little faith. If you will take what Jesus has said in his word and believe it and not waver, you can do great things with little faith. If Peter could just step out of the boat and walk on water with nothing more than little faith, what can you do? Now, how many of you are born again? Believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, born again? What's, it, what's required in order for you to be born again? Faith. It requires faith in order to be born again. So in order to be born again, you have faith. If you have faith, then you have to have at least a little. And if you have a little, you can do great things. With little faith. Isn't that amazing? You can walk on water with little faith. Peter has no verses. All he has is one word. One word to focus on. Come. He focused on that one word. And as long as he focused on what Jesus said, nothing mattered. He could walk on water. It's when he started to focus on what was going on around him. When we start to focus on what other people have said, when we start to focus on what our body has said, when we start to focus on the, this report, or that newspaper article, or this expectation, or what these forecasters are saying, when I focus on all these other things, 
and not focusing on what he said. We just got to focus on what he said. What does he say? So Jesus did, did not. <laughs> Jesus did not discourage him from stepping out, which means Jesus thought that Peter could accomplish this with little faith. That means when he tells us to do something in his word, we can accomplish it even with little faith. Because I just got a little faith. Now some of you say, well, I don't have that much faith. You've got more faith than you think. I've used this example before. It was used for me. It's not my example. I just think it's the best one I've ever heard. And I've never heard anything better than it. But we already said that the, the hands up, people you believe they're saved. So all you folks who believe that you are saved, I want you to point me to your salvation. Show me where it is. I want you to just show me. I mean, you believe that you are saved. So show it to me. Can you show me your salvation? Okay. Uh, how many of you feel saved today? How many of you feel saved? It's okay to feel saved. It's all right. We're not moved by what we feel, but so all you folks that are here do not feel saved at all. That's a shame. I feel saved. But if you feel saved today, how many have days where you don't feel saved? How many of you have days you don't feel forgiven? But how many of y'all still believe I am forgiven? How many believe I am saved? So even though you can't point to it, you don't always even feel it. You believe it. Well, if we are saved, we're going to heaven, right? Yes. Glory to God, going to heaven. How many of you have ever seen heaven? Anybody here at all seen heaven? Hmm. Anybody seen any pictures of heaven? Anybody got a picture seen of heaven? Anybody know anybody who's been to heaven? Personally. No, not heard about them, but know somebody. How many know somebody personally who's been to heaven? Hmm. All right, one person. How many know where heaven is? Anybody know where heaven is? And if you point up, just remember, people on the other side of the world are pointing the other direction. But if I were to tell you you're not going to heaven, how many of you would give me a fight? And yet, you don't know where it is. You don't know anybody who's been there. You've never seen pictures of it. You haven't been there yourself. But you believe you're going. You believe without a shadow of a doubt that you are going to a place that you have neither seen or have any proof of its existence. But you believe you're going. That's faith. If you have faith to believe in heaven, if you have faith to believe in salvation then you have faith to believe anything else that God says. Because you believe you're going to heaven based on what the Word of God has said. You believe you are saved because of what the Word of God has said. You believe that you are forgiven because of what the Word of God has said. That is faith. And when you get to the place where you are just as convinced that you are healed as that you are saved, just as convinced that you will prosper, is that you are saved. Just as convinced that God has a good plan for your life 
as you are saved, then nothing that anyone can say will deter you. And your little or regular faith will turn into great faith. And you will not be swayed. How did you get to the place where you believe so strongly about heaven? So strongly about salvation? We believed it because we kept hearing the scriptures, going over the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures. And every time we would read about how we were healed or saved, forgiven, or about the place waiting for us that God has prepared, we get excited. It's building your faith. Now, I want you to take a look at this. Jesus' faith. Is Jesus walking on the water because he's the Son of God or because he has faith? Walking on the water because he has faith. What's he have faith in? What the Father has said. Which means when he was up there on the mountain, the Father told him, go walk on the water. And he went and walked on the water. Jesus has faith. I want you to notice this. Jesus' faith was not affected by Peter's doubt. Isn't that right? When Peter started to sink because he doubted, did Jesus sink? He was not affected by Peter's doubt. But Peter was affected by Jesus' faith because as he's sinking, who helps him? Jesus, why is Jesus in a position to help him? Because of his faith. Doubters can be affected positively by those that are in faith. But those that are in faith cannot be affected by those that are in doubt unless we let it. All right, these didn't make your outline. They only made mine. Was the power of God working when Peter was in the boat? Power of God working for walking on water. Was it working when Peter was in the boat? It was. Was the power of God working when Peter got out of the boat? Yes, it was. Before, it was just working for Jesus. Now, it's working for Jesus and Peter. Was the power of God working when Peter sank? Yes. So the power of God was in operation the whole time when, G- when Peter was in the boat, when he was walking on the water, and when he sank. Get this. The power of God is at work all around Peter, but he's sinking. You can... You've got to meditate now to really get the picture of this. It may not hit you right at the beginning. The power of God is going on all around Peter to enable him to walk on water. But it is only affecting Jesus. But that same power is there and available. The only thing that is different is the fear that came in Peter's life. The fear that came in Peter's life prevented him from being able to access that power. But it was still there. So I put this in your outline for you. <clears throat> the power of God was present the whole time, but only working on behalf of the one who did not fear or get their focus on the circumstances. 
the power of God was present the whole time, but only working on behalf of the one who did not fear or get their focus on the circumstances. Now, how often do we think the power of God is not working if we don't feel it? If I don't feel healed. If I'm in the midst of a boisterous wind. Something that's hindering me from getting to the place that I want to be. Verse 32, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Well, that's interesting. As soon as they get in the boat, the wind ceased. What's that tell you? Something supernatural about that wind, huh? Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, it's still going to be a little while before they all come to that place and they confess, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But here's one of the things that helped influence him that way. So what kind of faith did Peter have when he stepped out of the boat? He had little faith. I put this in your outline for you. I want you to make sure you can get this. In fact, I added something to it that I didn't put in mind. Look at that. You got something in your outline that I don't have in mind. You don't have your outline with you either. I got one maybe up here. I want to make sure I get this to you the right way. You don't have an outline up here. Who's got an outline I can use? I want to make sure I get this all, all for you. Because it's, it's going to be blank on here. So there's only one place in the world that I have this filled in. Hopefully one of those places, though, will be in my head. <laughs> Faith is not measured by what it does. Faith is not measured by what it does. A lot of times we measure great faith, regular faith, little faith, by what it does. Faith is not measured by what it does, by, but by what it can endure. Faith is measured by what it can endure. It's one of the things. There's another thing too. But I mean by this is, things are going to come against you in the area of faith. Your faith is not measured by what you get healed of. Your faith is measured by what comes against you and you endure. That's what, that's what faith is. Faith is not, well, I got healed of cancer. I got healed of a heart condition. I got healed of high blood pressure. I, and you can list the things you get. Well, oh, that must be great faith because I haven't been able to get healed of that. It's not what you did with the faith. It's what your faith can endure. It's what your faith can endure. What can your faith endure? How much from the outside can your faith take? How much wind can be going on in your life before you get distracted and become fearful? Great faith is not measured by how great a disease you conquered. Great faith is measured by how much wind 
you took on? How much wind came after you? How much wind is in your life? How much wind is going on in your life? Is it shaking your faith? Do you get to the place where you come before God and say, God, I'm just, I'm not holding up. I'm just having such a hard time. We're not great faith yet. The wind is knocking us off. But you see, your little faith, no matter how little you think it is, your little faith can cause you to do something that no one in history ever did and walk on the water. If you merely take Jesus at his word. Now, we spent a lot of time on this story. You know we haven't pulled everything out of it. There's still more in this. Here's one of them. Do you notice that Peter does not move until he gets a command from God to act on? There's a lot of Christians who would look at what Jesus is doing and say, well, if Jesus can do it, I'm going to do it and just jump out of the boat. But Peter waited until he had a word. And when he had a word, he, he acted on it. All you need is a word from God. And if you got that word from God, you act on it. That's a little faith. And I'm here to tell you, because the word of God is here to tell us, you can do great things with little faith. With little faith. What great things do you need to do? What great things are there for you? Daryl, if you'll pull up on the computer, Isaiah 53, verse 5. Verse 4. 4 and 5. We'll start off with verse 4. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You can take that word and take your little faith, and there is nothing that you cannot be healed from. Doesn't matter who's doubting around you. Doesn't matter how many people are still in the boat. All that matters is that you see what the Word of God has told you and you're willing to believe it. Great faith is able to endure much. But if Peter would have endured what he was facing on the water, his little faith would have reached its success. Jesus didn't say, Oh, you of little faith, that was your problem. He said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know what I get from Jesus' statement there? That even, if, even though I may only have a little faith, it is still possible for me to not doubt. I may have ever thought that if I have little faith, doubt is probably going to come. 
little faith, I can still get through life and not doubt. Would y'all stand up for me? Did you get that song? All right. Are you able to sing the words to it at all? It's a song I know that you all probably have heard, but it's a great song. As they're playing and singing in the background. What is it that you need in your life? If you are saved, you have everything that you need to overcome whatever is in your life. You don't have to wait for something to be added. With little faith, you can walk on water. Just a little faith. You can walk on water. But that faith has to be in something that Jesus said. Master, if it is you, bid me to come. We've got a whole lot of more verses in the scriptures talk about healing. But by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Go ahead and start singing that song. Daryl, see if you have this one. Lord sent his word for us. If you will take his word as Peter did and act on that word, whatever it is that you face in life, the victory is yours. Whatever it is, Peter could walk on water based on one word, come. No matter what it is that's going on in your body, no matter what it is that's going on in your life, your victory is there. Don't be one of the eleven sitting in the boat. Master, if you tell me to be healed, I'll be healed. So he sent his word and said, You are healed. We are healed. Glory to God. Do we find that song? No? Maybe we don't have that? Wow. Got to get that one back in there. I am the God that healeth thee. I am the God. Jesus sent his... Jesus is the word. The The Father sent His Word. Jesus. We would be healed. All we need is to believe. One more time, let's sing it. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. How many here have something in your body that needs to be healed? Sometimes we have faith for hands to be laid on us. Sometimes we don't even need that. Peter didn't need hands laid on him to get out of the boat. The woman with the issue of blood didn't need hands laid on her. She just acted on what the word was that came up in her. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. I shall be healed. What does the Word of God say? And in the light of everything else that your body is saying, that your doctors are saying, that your friends and neighbors are saying, even little faith can just take hold of what God said. And just don't waver. Just don't waver. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you'd like prayer for something in the area of healing, don't come up thinking, well, I'm just going to see if it's going to do any good. Sometimes we have it that people bring somebody up, but they're not believing in God for what the person is bringing them up for. Makes no difference what John is believing for if Peter's getting out in the water. What matters is what Peter's believing for. What matters is what you're believing for. Don't be concerned with who's on your right and who's on your left and what they're believing for and what they need. Your focus is you. Peter's focus is Peter. John's focus is John. Your focus is you. What are you believing for? Don't hope. Know. Know what the Word of God has to say. Know what the Word of God has to say. If you want to come up here to the front, know what the Word of God has to say. And be ready to hang on to that Word. Because it's the Word of God that sets you free. Not anybody. Not anything after that. It's the Word of God that sets us free. Peter's words. Master, beckon me to come. And Jesus said, and that's what got him down. What has the Word of God said for your life? What has He said? You want prayer? Come on up here to the front. We'll pray, but you got to know. You got to know. Glory to God. You were up here early. (laughs) What do you know? As you go through this week, Things may come up. The winds may come up and be boisterous. The winds may come up and they may try and take you in a different direction. But don't let the winds take you in that direction. What has the Word of God promised you?
And don't just, you may have heard me talk with some of the people in here, but what's really important is I can't just know an idea of what God wants. I got to know what God wants. It's important to know that. I don't need a whole lot of word. Peter walked on water based on one word. One word. Walked on water. I don't need a whole lot of scriptures, but I do need to know that what I am believing for that God has promised me. And when you have that, you hang on to that. This is what you're said in your word. This is what you said in your word. And that's the thing that empowers you. That's what brings you on. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the work you're doing in our life. You desire that more people would be walking on water, so to speak, in their life. That the winds would not take them away. But when, we, when they hear that God says, come. When they hear that God says, you're be, you are healed. Whatever it is that the Word of God has spoken to them, that we will believe it and not back down. I thank you for it. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. So glad you all made it out here on a cold, snowy day. The snow still left out there. They didn't do a great job on our parking lot here. Usually they always do, but not so much on it today. It looks like it's all melted off here and we tried to attack it with the, the salt we had and stuff like that. But uh, we had game night postponed because of uh, the snow yesterday, so we're going to move game night to Friday. If you volunteered for any of the things to do in game night, uh, whether you can make it or can't make it, please let Alyssa know. That's just she knows both ways. I am going to, I did set up to do this. I can make it. I said I would do this. I can't make it. We know we're changing the night. Um, didn't seem to be right to bring everybody out on a night like last night. So we just thought it would be best just to see what we can do about moving it to another, another time. So we're going to go for Friday. <clears throat> Friday night at 7 o'clock we'll be starting. Uh, Wednesday night we'll be in here for Hebrews. We have some more things to finish up on chapter 5. Might even move into chapter 6. We'll see where we, we go with that. Did we get any comments on people where, who, was, uh, who was there? Were they watching from? Okay. Nothing we can... All right. Um, oh, yeah. My wife has the cookie trays. If you ordered a cookie tray, I'll see her. She's got them uh, over in the, in the kitchen for you. Um, if you notice our extra stuff over here, testing out some lights to help out the people with uh, Facebook so that they can see the worship team when they're worshiping and the other things that are going on. So we're, we're trying them out, see how they, how they work. Uh, Daryl and Keith had found a company and they were willing to loan them to us and see if they make a, make a difference. Um, I think that is all that we've got. Next week, I think we've still got a, one more thing to do on this to help us get a hold of it. And um, we'll, we'll do, that, do that next Sunday. Have a great rest of the week. Oh, if you were not here for the 